The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Mark 4, 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced produce grain growing up. And Increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Nathan, thank you so much for blessing us. Um, my name is Carter Crenshaw. I'm on staff at a, another local church here. Uh, my wife, uh, Debbie, works at CPA, and I actually worked at CPC a million years ago um, before many of you were born, so it's a real privilege to be here. Um, uh, back when I was here, uh, we were in the gym, the old gym. I think that was the sanctuary, so uh, it's really great to be here. I, uh, I must confess, I'm a little nervous. It's been a little while since I preached. Preaching is sort of like uh, driving a stick shift. It really is. The pulpit's like a stick shift. Once you get it down, you can do it. But if you haven't done it in a while, it gets a little jerky. So if you will forgive me for that. Um, I would like to uh, just take just a moment and thank the leadership. I have uh, been in the local church for a long time, and the elder who spoke just a few minutes ago, I really appreciate your shepherd's heart, um, the, the staff, uh, uh, the children's minister who spoke, and that wonderful video was just so encouraging. And I'm really encouraged for you. Uh, again, I've been in church a long time. Things ebb and flow. And God is faithful because God does not ebb and flow. And so I count it a real privilege to be uh, with you this morning with this parable. Now, I would like to start by giving you a Presbyterian altar call. I'm a Southern Baptist, or I grew up Southern Baptist, excuse me, I'm in the PCA now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I really am. But uh, I grew up Southern Baptist, and, and you, if you grew up Southern Baptist, you know how the altar call works. Well, pres- here's my Presbyterian altar call. If anything I say to you about the Lord Jesus uh, touches your heart, or if I offend you in any way, I would be more than happy to spend time with you in dialogue because I realize you're listening to me. But I really want to be available to encourage you if you don't know the Lord Jesus and you really would like to know more about him. It'd be my privilege to uh, walk the park or the mall and spend more time with you. Uh, If I've said something that concerns you, I'd love to dialogue with you about it. So uh, the staff knows how to get in touch with me. You can text me and we'll set that up. Now, I want to tell you, in the last four weeks, I I, I basically committed insanity. So, I'd never been to Bucky's. I don't know if you guys have been to Bucky's or not, but let me tell you exactly what happened. I went to Bucky's three times in the last four weeks during lunch, which is absolute insanity. I don't know how you make a gas station a point of destination like Disney World. If really, if you've not been to Bucky's, I would encourage you. I'm done, however. I was headed to a funeral yesterday and almost missed it because I was at Bucky's on uh, exit 347 on I-65 going to Huntsville. It, it, it was amazing to me, the crowd. So now I'll tell you that story to tell you this. I want to laugh with you just a few minutes, but... I want you to uh, think about something about this parable of the sower. If you go back and mark, it's really interesting to see that Jesus is really attracting crowds. No less than 10 times because of something he's done, somewhere he's gone, something he said. There There are crowds just coming to him. 
And so I really, really find that interesting that, that he, I mean, there was something about Jesus. Let me just say that. And I think it really comes out in this parable. Now, there are three things I want you to remember, if you would. The points would be the parable, the question I think the parable raises, and then the secret that really the Bible reveals about the parable. So let's jump in, uh, think about the parable, and let's think about the four soils first. Uh, so if you look at the first soil, basically the first soil is uh, the path where the workers walked when they were, when they were um, working the fields. And so needless to say, it was really packed hard. Think, think the white trail at Percy Warner. That's how hard it was packed. So you've got that soil. Now, I will tell you, we did not read it, but later on, the, the 12 apostles are really interested in what Jesus has said here. And so they said, hey, help us understand. And Jesus explains that uh, first soil by simply saying that, that people's hearts are hard. And when they hear the word of God, it doesn't penetrate. And so Satan comes and steals the word. So that's the, the first soil. Really, a hard heart, if you will. Someone that, that, that uh, hears the word, but it just bounces right off. And so the truth doesn't impact. So I want you to think, do I have a hard heart? Because this, this, soil, uh, this uh, parable is really for us. Okay, look at the second uh, soil. The second soil is seed planted on rocky soil. Now, you probably know uh, rocky soil does not uh, grow plants very well. I remember I was raised in Huntsville, Alabama, and my, my father, while a rocket scientist, had a rural background, so he was just committed to having a garden. I don't know why people would have a garden when you've got Kroger. But if you've got a garden, please forgive me. Let's walk the park. You can rebuke me. Now, let me say this. He would have us, and I remember distinctly, I was six years old, he would have us go stand in the garden and we couldn't move our feet because we didn't want to pack the soil, soil, soil number one. But we were trying to get rid of all the rocks so we wouldn't be soil number two so that he could plant the garden and things would grow. That's because rocky soil inhibits roots from growing. And so... Jesus unpacks that for the guys a little bit later on when he says that rocky soil receives the word of God with joy. But when trouble, he uses two words, when trouble or persecution come, they fold. They melt under the scorching sun. So what would be some examples of rocky soil? You know, I've, and I have been guilty with this. Lord, Give me all the blessings, but do not give me the suffering. Now, I've got to tell you, I, I, I don't know that I would have said that to you, but really that's the way I was living my life. Because when suffering would come, the first thing I would do would be not to go to the Lord, but to doubt the Lord and His goodness. And so that would be soil number two. So soil number three plants with thorns. 
But the thorns went out. There are, there, there, are, there are good things coming up, but the thorns went out. And so soil number three, it, Jesus unpacks by saying this. He says that the thorns are basically the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things. And if you think about thorns, thorns penetrate. So what Jesus is saying is the, wor- the, the worries of this life things that would distract us really penetrate our, our hearts. And then what ends up happening is they choke out the Word of God. Now, let me say something that I personally believe about this. For years, I used to think that the third soil was good soil because I saw myself as the third soil. But you know what? In this parable, the third soil is not good soil. The first three soils are bad soil. So what are some of those thorns, if you will? Well, notice what he says here, uh, or what Jesus says a little bit later. He says the deceitfulness of wealth. I don't know if this is true for you guys, but money deceives me. Y'all, I would... I have a little bit of money in a, a Vanguard account, just to be open. And can I just tell you, the stock market's like riding a roller coaster. It really is. And I found myself opening this Vanguard account, opening the app five or six times a day, subtly thinking that somehow if the market was up, I was going to be okay. That's a lie from hell. I finally had to delete the app because I'm not strong enough not to look at it. I had to make it harder to look at it because it was so easy for my heart to go to the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus says also the desire for other things, priorities. And I want to say this, you know, in my life, tell me if this would be true for you. In my life, um, those other things that get in the way or choke out my passion for Jesus. Many times, those are things that are blessings from Jesus. In other words, the blessings of Jesus, for me, is this true for you? The blessings of Jesus can become more important than Jesus. Let me give you an example. So, I love my children. And I'm sure you love your children if you have children. And um, so I'm coaching my daughter Julia's uh, 10-year-old soccer team. And Julia was quite an accomplished soccer player, played soccer here at CPA, which, by the way, we adore also. And um, she was really good at 10-year-old soccer. Well, suddenly I didn't realize I was staking my whole well-being on the success of this 10-year-old soccer team. Now, I know you would not do that. But I, I've got to tell you, I can have a preacher's voice, and I would let loose on the side of on the sideline over Bellevue, and it carried to Dixon. <laughs> well, one time, here's what happened. This is no lie. Julia was uh, playing defense, and she stole the ball from the enemy. I mean, the opposing team. <laughs> and and and. She legally 
uh, knock the other player down. Do you know what my daughter did? She stopped and began to help that player up. Do you know what her dad did? <laughs> as loud as I could scream, I said, I yelled, get the ball, forget the girl. <laughs> That's how I discipled my children. So you guys, I, you know, I have to laugh a little bit because it is so true that other things can deceive us. I love my children. But I, I love them more than Jesus. I'm really not loving my children. And so that's the third soil uh, that I, I want you to consider. And, of course, the fourth soil, you, you heard uh, Nathan read, it's good soil. And it produces plentiful fruit over a lifetime. And what Jesus says is, uh, he says, he who has ears, uh, let him hear. And so he really exhorts us to hear, to accept the word, and to produce fruit. So let's, let's unpack the, uh, what I'd love to do, having gone through the parable, I want to unpack it with you just a few minutes. And so, so we looked at the parable. Now let's consider the question. So let me ask you this. Answer this in your own mind. When you hear this parable, what, where do, what do you think? Where do you go? What's the question? What, what's the question you ask yourself? And I hope this is true for a lot of us in here because I've got to tell you, the first question I ask myself is, which soil uh, am I? That's, that's, the, that's the first question I ask myself. And I think that's because the Word of God is, is penetrating and it's revealing. Now, let me say this. One of the reasons, and I think one of the primary reasons the Lord Jesus told this parable is that he had gathered a crowd. And I think he's putting this parable out there to begin to help people think, to examine themselves, sort of to diagnose or to see who's interested. Does that make sense? So I really think he throws that out there, uh, uh, puts this parable out there to begin to help the crowd think and to see who's listening and see who's not. In fact, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. And he's speaking the word of God because he is God. And what the word of God does is it is, as the writer of Hebrews writes, it's alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, the word of God goes to the heart to expose the heart. And I think that's exactly why Jesus spoke this in this crowd of probably two to 4,000 people. On this, on this hillside where he had gotten into the boat so he could amplify his voice. And so I think it's a really valid question for you and I to think about for just a few minutes is, is this, what kind of soil am I? And if I see myself more in soil one, soil two, or soil three, what would it look like for me to become good soil? Do you follow me? Does that make sense? So what does it look like to become good soil? So 
That's the question. Now, there's a secret revealed. Now, I want to say, one of the things I love is the 12 didn't understand it. The 12 men that Jesus uh, appointed to come to him and ultimately become apostles, ones that he would send out to really plant the church. They came to him and they said, hey, tell us what it means, which I love. And I'll tell you why I love that. It's because they wanted to understand, but they didn't. They didn't understand, but they wanted to. And that's a good sign. That there could be some good soil. And what Jesus says here, he, he, he says, and we didn't read it, but it said, it said uh, Jesus responded, the secret of the kingdom of heaven is revealed to you. And so we've got the parable of the soils. We've got the question of which soil am I? And now we've got the secret. Now I've got to tell you something about secrets. This is not a secret that Jesus wants to keep from us. So I'm not going to send you out of here without telling you what the secret is. Okay? We're not going to do that. We're going to think through it together. But there is a secret to the kingdom of heaven. And let me throw this out to you. The reason I think Jesus used that word is Jesus is not who many people think he is. He's not. When he came, when he came 2,000 years ago, most people didn't understand. And I would say, actually, everybody didn't really understand ultimately what he came to do. And that's what got him crucified. They believe he came to save, but they didn't realize who the real problem was. And that's the secret of the kingdom. And so let's talk about the secret. Let's talk about it. So let me just in summary say this. The secret of the kingdom is the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about it for just a minute. First, what is so incredible about Christianity is this. Oh, by the way, I want to say this. Christianity is not exclusive. You know, people have come to me over the years in my ministry and say, how can you believe in Christianity? It's so exclusive. May I just tell you something? It's not exclusive, but it is unique. Jesus came as Savior to anyone who would believe in him. And God loved the world, and so he sent his son. Jesus is absolutely unique because he's the son of God in the flesh. And I will say this. If you don't know much about Christianity, start there. Because you got to come to grips with the son of God took on flesh. Fully God fully human being. And so that's the first step in the secret, okay? So no secret. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God came to us 
to rescue us. And I don't know if you're like me, but I need rescue. Now, what did he come to do? Well, he said in several places, hey, I didn't come to do away with the law of God. I came to fulfill the law of God. So what's so absolutely amazing about Jesus is he was the perfect human being. He was the perfect man. He was the second Adam, as the Apostle Paul wrote. He lived the life that you and I are required to live. He fulfilled every law. He was perfect. In every temptation he faced, he walked away. He was absolutely perfect in everything he did, everything he thought. And that's who the Lord Jesus is. Now, here's what's amazing too. Not only was he perfect, but he came to love us perfectly. And so when he went to the cross, you've heard this before, I'm sure many of you. When he went to the cross, he died on the cross for our sins. If you're trusting the Lord Jesus, he died on the cross for our sins. Here's what's so amazing. This this is something that, well, let me tell you what's so amazing about that. When, when he died on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us. So that in him we would become the righteousness of God. Okay, so here's what happens. So when he goes to the cross, he takes our sin on himself. But guess what? Because he went in perfect obedience to his Father's will to die for our sins... He bore our sins while maintaining his perfection. And guess what could not hold him? The grave. The grave couldn't hold Jesus because he was perfect sacrifice. He obeyed his father perfectly all the way to the end. And because he died in our place, guess what? The grave can't hold you either. Your death, if you're in Christ, is a transition. It's a transition. That's the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's something else that's really awesome. When you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul wrote this, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, what, what's, the, what's, what's another part of this secret? Not only did Jesus come, he lived a perfect life. He died an atoning, substitutionary, sacrificial death for our sins. When we place our faith in him, when we come to him, he indwells us. And so we become temples of the living God. God is filling us with his spirit. And what's so incredible about that is, see, by faith in Christ, he makes us good soil. We don't become good soil by something we do. No, he makes us good soil by faith in him. And so, truth of the matter is, we can say, you know, I struggle. Soil one, soil two, soil three. 
But as I'm resting in Christ, he cleanses me of all that sin. Which, by the way, Todd, that confession of sin was absolutely incredible. I'm so glad we can kneel. Because men and women, we can acknowledge that we're sinful people. And we can praise God because we're forgiven. We're good soil because he's made us good soil. And here's so what's absolutely wonderful about that. When you recognize through faith in Christ that he makes us good soil, then as we develop this relationship with Christ, as we're filled with his spirit, then we can experience what good soil does, and that's produce fruit. But men and women, it's the fruit of the spirit. You, don't, you do not bear fruit for Jesus. His spirit bears fruit through us. It's not dependent on my effort. It's dependent on him working through me as I rest in him. And that's what good soil is. Good soil is trusting in the Lord Jesus and what he will do in and through us. Now, let me say this about the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to end with this. Part of what we are called to do as followers of the Lord Jesus is this. We need to practice the fruit of repentance. Why? Because I do struggle with being soil number one. Sometimes my, I'm, I can be as hard as the white trail. I do struggle with being soil number two. Sometimes I can be shallow and get really hacked off when things don't go my way. Sometimes I can struggle with being soil number three. And I want so bad to look at the Vanguard. I've gotten rid of the app. I just go home and look at the computer and feel better. But the truth of the matter is, if I can go to the Lord Jesus and know all over again, I can repent. Then part of the fruit of knowing him, being filled with his spirit, is a lifestyle of repentance. So let me end with this. Uh, my wife and I were at Cinco de Mayo last week uh, over on Whitebridge Road, which, by the way, I commend it to you. Um, they are now making homemade guacamole. Now, this is, this is very important because we like our guacamole. So Debbie ordered some guacamole. And... and um, it was, it, the food presentation was absolutely gorgeous. And so, so it came out and we ate some. And then our grandchildren, who we were with, um, had to go to the bathroom. Well, Debbie took them to the bathroom. And I proceeded to eat all the guacamole. I will tell you, just so you don't get too uncomfortable, we are still married, but let me tell you exactly what happened. It was really funny. So she came back, and she's a very gracious woman, so here's, it was completely clean. Here's what she did. She got a chip. She started to scrape just the little itsy-bitsy stuff that was left. And I've never felt so bad in my life. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, she was holy and I was hungry. And so the next day I was spending time with the Lord, and he said, look, you got to repent for the guacamole. <laughs> so 
I'm begging her forgiveness and she forgives me. And, and I realize, you know, good soil is not what I do. It's what he's done. And what he's done and what he'll do through us in powerful, powerful ways. And I want to look at you as a congregation to tell you something. God has not forgotten you. After that worship, he's going to do great and mighty things, things through this body. Now, I've got one piece of homework, and we're done. If one of you would volunteer to take Debbie to Cinco de Mayo and buy the guacamole for her, I would appreciate it. It's a privilege to be with you. Father, thank you for this precious congregation. I really do thank you for them. What a, what a highlight for me to be a part of this worship service. Thank you for that gift. Lord, I thank you for the leadership in this church and ask you to give those men and women wisdom to shepherd this congregation well. And Lord, I also want to pray in closing that you would do more than we could ever ask or imagine in the days ahead through this church. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen.